Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So with the stock market, as well as the bond market actually, doing relatively poorly as of late here in the United States, as well as many other countries in the world, inevitably we're having people come in and predict that we're on the verge of another stock market crash, a bond market crash, or maybe even a full-blown financial crisis, not unlike the one that we saw back in 2008. And, you know, to be clear, they could be right. I I don't know. I don't know when the stock market's going to crash. I don't know if we're on the verge of another financial crisis. Honestly, I see all the necessary ingredients in place for those things to happen. doesn't matter a ton to me exactly when it does happen, although, you know, I, it is entertaining to 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 watch and to to predict, and also uh, I do feel like I have a duty to you guys, my, my viewers, to update you on what's going on in the markets. But I don't know the exact timing of it all. Um, however, you know, with with all this talk of a stock market crash, financial crisis, inevitably we also have people come in that are maybe even more pessimistic than those that are predicting a stock market drop or whatever. People that will come in and say, "Hey, you know what? The markets these days." They're fake. They're manipulated. They're manipulated by whoever it is. Is it the Treasury? Is it the Federal Reserve? The government? Whatever. They're manipulated, and the stock market is never going to crash because the Fed, or pick your central bank, pick your government, can always intervene. They always can buy those stocks and prevent a full-blown crash. We're never going to have a financial crisis because if liquidity ever comes close to drying up as much as it did back in 2008, well, hey, guess what? The Fed has this fancy thing called quantitative easing that they used back in 2008, and they'll just use it again to prevent a full-blown financial crisis. And here's the thing. I mean, they're not wrong. To be clear, I do think that we're going to have a stock market crash. I do think that in some places potentially the United States, but certainly um, countries like like uh, Canada, Australia, maybe some places in Europe, uh, there's a potential for some sort of a contagion-type financial crisis. And, and I do think that it's going to spread to some extent. However, I also think that with the next stock market crash, with the ma- next major economic downturn, with the next jump in unemployment, and with the next... Um, rumors of a financial crisis right around the corner, the Fed is going to step in. The Bank of Japan, the People's Bank of China, the European Central Bank, the Bank of England, and of course all the governments as well, not just the central banks, they're all going to step in and intervene. They're going to print money. And so that brings us to the main topic of this video. Why am I worrying about stocks being overvalued? Why am I worried about the economy doing poorly or another financial crisis or whatever it might be if central banks and governments can always just print more money to paper over the problem? There's a reason for that. It's not because I'm extremely bearish on stocks. It's not because I think 
that a financial crisis is going to be allowed to happen over the short term or anything like that. No, the reason I talk about this so much and the reason that I want to bring light to not just the weaknesses of our economy, of our stock market or anything like that, um, but but that I talk about things like uh, the Federal Reserve and, and what they're up to and, and governments and, and their deficit spending and whatnot. The reason I talk about that is because eventually it's not going to be a question of will they paper over the next stock market crash, the next financial crisis, etc. The question is going to be what problems can't they fix by printing another trillion dollars? another $5 trillion, $10 trillion, whatever it might be, from central bank to central bank, government to government, what can't they fix? Because as I already said, I think that over the short term, in the next crisis, they can fix a fair amount, at least over the short term, right? The government can spend a lot of money to try and stimulate the economy. The Federal Reserve, they can do helicopter money, which is is a great term. Um, it's basically the, the Fed handing out money directly to people, citizens, right? It would be not unlike if they loaded up a helicopter with money and dropped it over a city. That's why it's called helicopter money. They can do quantitative easing. They can lower interest rates. They can try and bring liquidity to the system, save the big banks and financial institutions, stop the stock market from crashing by potentially intervening, which sounds crazy, but hey, the Bank of Japan already does it. The People's Bank of China or or Chinese government already does it with their national team. So they can fix a lot of problems over the short term, but what can't they fix? Well, I got four things on my list right here, and this is something to keep in mind looking big picture beyond the next financial crisis, beyond the next stock market crash. And hey, these things absolutely could come up at that same time because these things could come to light. They could manifest themselves as central banks and as governments are taking out these taking undertaking these extreme actions to try and save the economy and save uh, the markets so number one on this list and, and you guys you guys are smart my viewers I, I like to think of as very bright individuals probably much brighter than i am i just put a lot of time into what i do number one on this list you guys already know it inflation that's this is probably one of the number one because this is causing so many other uh, problems that I'm gonna, the next three things in this list largely can be caused by the first one, and that's inflation. When you inflate the monetary supply, you're causing inflation. Okay, and so in the next crisis, of course, we're going to have this period of time where people are thinking that we're going to have too much deflation, and of course, the Fed is going to fight that with a ton of inflation. They're going to print money. They're going to do quantitative easing. They'll do helicopter money. I wouldn't be surprised by that. 0% interest rates or negative percent interest rates. And of course, the government, they're going to spend a ton of money as well, a ton of fiscal spending, deficit spending. And that's going to cause inflation as well. And of course, you know, inevitably, maybe somebody will be thinking like, well, the government can't spend that much money there and too much debt. But I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the Federal Reserve, or, or again, take your central bank and government, pair them together. But in the case of the United States, the Federal Reserve, they can bail out the U.S. government by doing something called monetization of debt, right? Meaning that they can buy the U.S. government's bonds and the U.S. government doesn't need, doesn't need to worry about finding buyers for it. Or, hey, the Fed can directly fund the government, give the money directly rather than having to buy bonds at an interest rate, right? But there's going to be lots of inflation. And this is one problem that central banks just cannot solve by printing another trillion 
dollars. More and more inflation. I think the inflation potentially towards the end is going to be very violent in countries like the United States because we're going to have a lot of U.S. dollars coming back from abroad because there's going to come a day where people and governments and central banks, corporations, will no longer want to hold U.S. dollars because of their increasingly worthless uh, value. So that's number one on this list. Number two on this list, a wealth gap. I talked about this actually recently in a series of mine titled uh, The Number One Trend for the Next 10 Years. And I talked about this number one trend that we'll see, and that is a growing wealth gap. Now, it's oftentimes due to all these things that I talk about on my channel, whether it's more and more inflation, central bank and government intervention in the markets, and, 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 uh, and in industry and whatnot, bailouts, but wealth gaps. It's going to grow exponentially. It already has since the financial crisis. I mean, put simply, yeah, the financial, uh, the, the quantitative easing, 0% interest rate policy, uh, huge government spending. Sure, maybe you could say over the short term that that could benefit the you know quote-unquote poor, the lower class, the middle class. Sure, maybe. But not nearly as much as it benefited the 1%, the 0.1%. And by the way, guys, this isn't some sort of a socialist rant for me or anything like that. I'm just simply stating the facts that the upper crust of society has proportionally accumulated way more wealth than everybody else in the last 10 years. And it's not because of our tax policy not being progressive enough or because of, of too many loopholes in the tax code. I'm sure sure that happens as well because corporations, I think, oftentimes are you know in bed with government and whatnot. But no, I think the big cause of it is central bank policy and low interest rates. Who benefits the most from quantitative easing? Who benefits the most from bailouts? Who benefits the most from 0% interest rates? It's the wealthy. And so next time around, people will largely, once again, I think be blind to this. There's going to be you know, helicopter money. There's going to be interest rates falling and whatnot. And, and they're going to be happy because they're maybe trying to, to, to keep their, their um, head above water, their family's heads above water, and they're going to be able to do it a little bit easier. What they won't notice is that those at the top are going to be accumulating way more wealth than they could ever dream of. And this wealth gap is going to continue to grow. And that brings us to number three on this list, unrest. With inflation, with a growing wealth gap, you get unrest. And if you don't believe me, look at Venezuela. I mean, Venezuela is a great example of this. Now, they have a much, much more socialist country than we do. And it's not so much just being wealthy or being within a corporation or something like that 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 qualifies somebody to be in the wealthy or the the upper class of society. A lot of times, it has to do with government, um, their their association with the government and, and their position in the government as well. But you have a huge wealth gap there, a societal gap as well, right? There's there's kind of as far as I know, I would think of it as kind of being like three different classes. You have you have the uh, kind of upper crust of government. And maybe some corporations, but I mean, they're well. What's the difference in a socialist country like Venezuela? But you know, like Maduro and and his um, his buddies and whatnot at the, up at the top, and then you have kind of the second tier, which is like government workers, whether it's soldiers or or other workers within the government, and then you have everybody else within the society, right? Um, and I think we're going to see a similar thing play out here in the United States. Maybe not along those lines, but there's going to be a lot of unrest because inflation is going to hurt our economy when it's all said and done. 
it's going to cause a larger and larger wealth gap. The dollar is going to become weaker and weaker, and there's going to be unrest. And it's only going to be exacerbated. I mean, this unrest, I don't know if people are going to be storming the streets over inflation or the Fed or anything like that. I mean, that would be great to see. But more likely, in my mind, it's not going to be over something like that. It's going to be over something that we've been dealing with for decades, You know, whether it's racial tensions or who's in the White House or some other topic like that um and i'm not i'm not so totally sold that it's going to be over the economy or or inflation or wealth gap um i I think those things are just going to exacerbate it though and i think the people are going to feel uh more and more disconnected from from washington from policy making from uh the the wealthy elite the, the the corporation um ceos and whatnot there's going to be unrest and this is again something that government cannot just solve by printing another trillion dollars at some point people won't care if the government's giving them more and more money if the money is ultimately more and more worthless number four on this list is a little bit more complex because we don't know all the details of it but another thing you can't solve with printing more money is consolidating all the power within a given government structure and this government structure can go beyond just one country, beyond just the United States or Japan or anything like that. But, you know, you can take an example like uh, the EU. The EU is, I think, a great example. They have underwent a lot of quantitative easing in the last few years. They've had very low interest rates for a while now. And I guess you could say that it has halted a full-blown collapse of the Eurozone. The Italian government and an economy and the Greek economy and whatnot, they haven't totally collapsed yet, but you still see a lot of um, a lot of unrest. You have a lot of power factions within these different countries that disagree greatly over policy, right? There's not a huge like, uh, I guess what I'm saying here is you don't have like Germany, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Greece, um, Hungary, Poland, you know, all these countries, England, all on the same page at all, right? Because, you know, of the nature of the EU partly, and, and there's other reasons as well, but a lot of these countries just have different goals have a different agenda and 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 when they're all kind of tied together through this binding agreement you're inevitably going to have conflict and this is something you just can't fix with another trillion dollars and and when you have more inflation when you have a weaker economy and when you have more a larger wealth gap more unrest it's only going to exacerbate these issues but you know in in in, um in the east uh the european union right now you have uh you know italy trying to take on more deficit spending than they should you have Poland. Um, I think it's Poland. Uh, there's a recent dispute with the EU over a force that they wanted to log. And the EU said, hey, you know, even if this is in your borders, you're not allowed to do this because it's like an a, uh, international like heritage site. Like it's too important or something like that. Even though it's within Poland's borders, as far as I know. You have, of course, the UK choosing to leave the European Union eventually, although those Brexit ex- uh, negotiations just taken forever. And you're only going to see more and more of that. And I think we're going to see a similar story in a lot of other areas as well, whether it's United States or, or Canada, Australia, um, even China, right? You think of the, the one party in China 
But absolutely already, I mean, look at the Soviet Union back in the day. There's different factions within the Soviet Union. There's already different factions within the um, within China. It's just going to be that those lines become much clearer in the future as these problems are exacerbated by a weaker economy, a weaker currencies, and, and a larger wealth gap and more unrest. So those are my four things that central banks governments cannot solve by just printing another trillion dollars. Um, so you know, when it's all said and done, sure, they can prop up the stock market until they're blue in the face at some point, though. I mean, of course, those many of those companies would... Uh, completely collapse but but they can they can prop up the stock market for a very long time we've already seen them do that they can do the same with the bond market even the housing market but they can't fix these problems so i'd love to hear your thoughts on this video down below in the comment section as always if you want to help me out you've already done the number one thing that you can do to help out help me out and that is watch this video or listen to this podcast if you're in podcast land so i'm very thankful for that but if you want to go above and beyond liking this video commenting, subscribing. Those things help me out a ton. And of course, there's also a link to my Patreon down below. In fact, I just had a new uh, Patreon supporter just yesterday. I'm going to find his name actually to give him a shout out because I don't shout out my Patreons enough here on this channel. But eh, let's see here. Got to find his name. Um, maybe I should just, no, I'll do it. I'll do it in maybe another future video. Uh, uh, Sean, my new pat patron, Sean, that I just got uh, yesterday. And then I got um, Keith just last week. So thank you to Keith and Sean for supporting me on Patreon. There's a good, some ton of great perks. And honestly, I think sometimes my uh, my patrons over on Patreon don't fully take advantage of, of what they have in terms of, of asking me questions and, and directing my content and stuff because I love ideas from them. But again, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video and God bless.